What's up, Ross? How you doing? Welcome back. Matt, what's up, man? Deemer, what's up? Let's do this. <laughs> what's up, man? What's up? Good <laughs> to see you on a Saturday over here in Ohio. Uh, lots of news we're going to talk about today, and I don't know where we're going to go with a lot of this stuff, but the first thing I want to talk about is the um, Fox lawsuit. You know, Fox just got uh, a fine for $787 million. The Settled. Yeah. Yeah, a settlement. Yeah. Um, and it's the biggest ever. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, where to begin? I mean, tons of thoughts. I mean, you know, one of my big, we're starting to hang out, out a lot together. One of my big gripes is the media environment in this country and the misinformation from them. They'll tell, they're trying to say this is misinformation, that is information. Now we're fact checking, but a, but a, but a, but a, but Well, they finally got called out in the private sector by Dominion. For you know, going on Fox News and saying you know Trump law, I don't really know the exact sentences they got hit up for with the lies, but basically saying these voting machines were defective, and this is why Trump lost, and it helped Biden that the voting machines were defective. Well, Dominion goes, this is bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. You're hurting my business. You're hurting my business. Right. Sued, and then of course, and they they Fox drew it out, and they they did have depositions. They did have a summary judgment motion. I worked in civil court for about 10 years. So they took it to about as far as parties usually take it. But when they've got the jury impaneled, uh, they've got the jury ready to go. They're about to start opening arguments. And they said, okay, what's your price? What's your bottom dollar? 787 and a half million will settle. It's settled. Right. And that was huge. Um, but there, I think that a lot of other companies see that there's blood in the water. They see that, that this is going to be a... Fox does not want to go on the stand. Fox does not want to have Tucker and Murdoch and all these guys talk about actually what happened behind the scenes because I think it's just going to be a fucking a disaster for them. And so now we have this other company, Smartmatic, I think, coming out to sue them for $2.4 billion, even more than Dominion. And so that lawsuit's going to happen. So are they going to settle out of that? And so it's interesting that uh, I was listening to the All In podcast yesterday. Um, it's a good podcast with a bunch of business VC entrepreneur, business entrepreneurs and VC or venture capitalists, uh, three of, or four of them, sorry. And um, they just have a really smart kind of like behind the scenes, kind of like a different level or a different way of looking at these kind of things. I mean, obviously they're all multi-millionaires or billionaires. Um, and so they're coming from like this guess behind the curtain sort of thing. Like, anyway, long story short, is uh, David Sachs had a good, good, a good point about this, is one, is there should be these lawsuits, but they can't just stop at Fox. They have to keep going with CNN. They have to go with all these things. And it's like, <clears throat> when usually somebody has fake news or messes up, messes up an editorial, they have a, like a redaction to it or a apology or a correction. And they go, hey, sorry, but that sorry in this um, correction is always buried like in the back page or on the bottom of a column or whatever. And he's like, look, if you're going to give two weeks to election fraud or something like that or any kind of thing that you find is erroneous don't just say sorry we messed up you have to give them the same amount of airtime to correct that mistake like you can't just give this one thing a two-week platform and then say hey sorry we messed that up you have to give the rebuttal or the, the correction a two-week platform as well and i think that's a really good idea to try to correct those things wrong in in a, in a sus substantial manner that changes the public narrative as well so, uh, I mean, I've been on this train for years now. Uh, you know, Elon, when you're talking about Twitter and the Twitter files, 
they'll flat out tell you it's about freedom of speech, not freedom of reach. And so for me, I, I, came, in the, I came into this world via judicial elections and I kind of saw how those got manipulated and engineered by parties and media. And I'm, I'm on that train about ombudsman and redactions. Yes, completely, you're exactly right. Give it the same reach as you gave the original bullshit. Give it the same reach. Uh, even with candidates, right? Uh, they, you can't just give Biden, DeSantis, and Trump all the, all the reach, all the stories, all the nonstop talking, all the nonstop name recognition. You gotta give your lower kind of, if you wanna call them fringe, I don't even call them fringe, I, but people should get the same stories and both sides should get you know, similar, similar reach. You can't ever do exact, but like what you're saying is blatant. You cannot talk about voting machines being bad for a month and then give a two sentence apology you know, nine months later. And think, and think that everything is fine within the American psyche. Yes. Because what you're doing, you're sowing doubt, you're sowing, you know, all kinds of different, whatever the case may be, is like you use the platform to create a narrative, which we created a cultural, like, seed in the, a seed in the cultural psyche that grew into a certain thing. And you have to, you have to basically just fire with fire. You can't just, you know, come back with, you know, a five minute, Rebuttal. We, or we've been miseducating the public on purpose, and it's very unhealthy for all of us. It's not unhealthy for just the Fox side, like you were saying. The suits should also come again. I said that exact same thing. Somebody should come for CNN, MSNBC. A big debate right now about with Twitter and NPR is: is NPR bullshit? Is right. it not? You know, we're, we're we're trying to figure out truth at this point. So, with that, do you think Twitter is? Do you think Twitter is doing a good job or Elon's doing a good job with Twitter or not? I think that releasing like the Twitter files and all of that, which I th wish the Twitter files got more attention and more understanding from the public than they did. Um, however, I don't know if Elon is doing good for Twitter. I'm actually in a, in a space of I don't know. Like when they, what did he la label? Did he label? NPR, state affiliated. But no, he, he labeled one from another country too. Was it BBC? I think it was BBC. And they're like, hey, we, we are not state affiliated, blah, blah. But, when we, but then when they looked into the records, they get 70% of their funds from the, from the government, from the state. And honestly, that sounds pretty like, hey, that's a good label to have. 70% of your money is coming from the government. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and frankly, you know, as a lawyer, the word affiliated does not mean directed. I mean, right. there's a, there is clearly a connection. Right. It doesn't mean that every story Joe Biden's, you know, chief of staff is saying, you know, kind of like what we saw with the Twitter files, you know, you've got some NGO or whatever directing the content. It doesn't mean every story, but they are state affiliated. That's just the truth in my opinion. <clears throat> My buddy, my buddy says, and I agree with him as well. I mean, this is a complex situation, but he says that it's weird that everybody thinks that all of a sudden news is biased. It has always been biased. <laughs> Media companies have always been biased, but for some reason, now we're thinking that unbiased news is a thing that can exist, and it can exist. Uh, I mean, Chomsky wrote the book in 1988, Manufacturing Consent. There is no better book. Now, it's really hard to read. It's, it's, I mean, it's from two academics. It's insanely complicated. They went into newspaper stories from the 70s, from the 60s, and they showed, hey, these papers are taking the line of the state. They're leaking on purpose. And so when the White House leaks something to a reporter, they want it publicized. 
Right. They, you know, right. and so that book was written in 1988, but... Well, what's the name of the book again? Manufacturing Consent. I, I got to read that. It's the best book of all time. And, and, of but all it's, time. I, I mean, it's the most relevant... Even better than Harry Potter. I would say... Bro. <laughs> Bro, I mean, call I mean, me your shit. In this, in this, for for the for the healing that this country needs, it is the best book of all time. It's not the most entertaining, but it's actually horrifically not entertaining. But it's it's informing and it's education, and it's what we need now. And it was written in '88, so I've said this for a long time. We need a manufacturing consent. For dummies, I mean, you can listen. Mm, to, you can mm. listen to it on audiobook, which is what I did. Should I, should I delete this and you just go write it so nobody takes your idea and you put it out no, there? No, no, no. Because what's good for <laughs> what's good for the public is good for me. Yeah, sure, man. But you you can get your your millies too. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm. It's not a bad idea. Make sure idea. that you remember remember that this idea started here on it. I have it on tape. You, yeah, you, buy, yeah. you, you buy me a Lambo. But 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 the thing <laughs> but the thing about it is, if you watch Succession, if you watch the show The Boys. I mean, it, the, right, right, these right. things are out there in, in not just in real news. Which The Boys is amazing. The Boys is amazing. And, and it's teaching people, hey, what you're seeing is given to you. It's the choice of, these, of, the, of, the, power, of the in-power group. You know? so that's, right. It's all, it's, all, it's all manufactured. It's all a marketing. And honestly, that's my kind of like theory when, um, when we're talking about Donald Trump and uh, the GOP candidates right now. I think Nikki Haley was put in to run. Uh, by Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump called her and said, hey, I want you to run for president. I'm running too. You're not going to win. We know that. But uh, we need you to shave some off of uh, DeSantis. You know, he, he, I have my base. Shave, shave a little, couple points off of everybody. And I think he's doing the same thing with, um, with Scott as well. I mean, there's some people that we know aren't going to win, but they're running, going to run anyway. And I, th I really think that's just a manufacturing of like, hey, we have this open prime, this big primary, and it's just a secure one candidate. It's kind of like the theory that um, the Democrats are doing this whole uh, lawsuit against Trump because they want him to win. Right. And, and, and give him all this earned media so they earned want him media, to win because yeah. they know that, or they feel that they can beat, Biden can beat him again. So, so, so I won't purport to know the, um, the exact conversations and strategy and planning and all that, but I have long believed that our races are engineered. Our results are engineered. We have the illusion of democracy. So what you said about Trump, I agree with like say Biden and Marianne Williamson. But I, again, I don't know that Biden's chief of staff called Marianne Williamson and said, hey, we're not going to have Buttigieg run. We're not going to have Sherrod Brown run. You know, but we do want the illusion of a democratic election. Well, no, why would that? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy that narrative because, I mean, this, the Democratic Party is in power right now. And Joe Biden is in line. Why would you need anybody to run against Joe to make an idea of democracy? He is the head of the party. Sure, but the, the people that aren't in the party, that don't identify with the party, they want to vote. There's a bunch of independents in this country. Sure. They want to vote. But I mean, they're not going to, I mean, there's no reason for the Democrats to run somebody else, though. That doesn't make sense. Uh, to maintain the illusion, just, just like what you're saying with Trump. It's well, the exact I, I, same I, thing. Well, no, I mean, it's, but it's not the illusion. For, no, but it, that's what I'm, I'm not saying that it's the illusion of democracy. I'm saying that it is a strategic plan to shave numbers away from like DeSantis or whatever so Trump could keep a certain percentage. So let's just say if, if there was, so Trump has 30% of the vote, I mean, in the primary, easy, right? But we don't know if DeSantis is going to get 30 70, or 35 right. or, or whatever. 
But it, if you put in a Nikki Haley and a, and a Scott, if you, it, then they can get five percent, five percent. That's not going to come from Trump's base. That's dicing coming from it the, up. Dicing they're dicing it up, it up on yeah. purpose. Dicing it up. I'm saying it's a strategy. I'm not saying it's for a losing a democracy. And nobody's ever ran if the party was going to if the party had a president in power. They've never the party has never ran somebody against the president. Yeah. I mean, so I don't believe that that's a losing uh, democracy. I, well, I don't also. Yeah, the party, the D triple C, is going to support Biden the way they would have. Clinton, if you know, in the mid, oh, like you say, in that, yeah. of course, of course, but nonetheless, the people, you can't go and do regime regime change, and every sentence you say is defending democracy. You can't go do regime change and say, well, we want that that country to have a democracy, and then be like, oh, well, eighty-four year old Biden has been in for four years. We're gonna do, we we actually don't want the people to have a say on his reelection. Of course, you can. That's called hypocrisy. We do it all the time. Well, of course I'm you just, can. I'm just saying, if you want to pur purport this as a democracy, you would say, hey, a bunch of people don't want this guy in. His approval rating is what it is. But it's, it's, de it's Democrat voters as well. Forget now, about the DCCC. Sure, I know. I agree, I agree with you that we should have a vibrant democracy and somebody should always run against the president and whatever yes. and, and, and have good, vibrant primaries. I agree with that. But I, I, diff I wholeheartedly disagree that the... DNC or the DCCC is actually telling Williamson or anybody to run against Biden. Absolutely fucking not. There's no way. There is absolutely no way. I don't know. There's no way. So this, what, what, what I, what I said no at the beginning, the but just like what you said about <laughs> Trump, I don't know that to be true. I don't know. We don't know because we don't have a fair media, a trusting media. Of course, we don't we know don't that know to be what's true, happening. Ross. I'm, we, I'm not Jamie Harrison. Of right. course, I don't know this. We shit don't know to be what's true. happening. We're, we're two dudes drinking coffee at Bay Village <laughs> Library on a Saturday morning. Yeah. But still, I mean, I just disagree with any logic behind that. But whatever. We were That's fair. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. I, I like I like this. Um, Oh, that's an Ohio one. We, I want to. I want to do this one. Speaking of that, you know, you, like you just mentioned, we have uh, a lot of people are identifying as independent. We have forty nine percent of the people are now identifying independent. The the whole report was it used to be just like, honest, like a, 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 a dozen or so, yeah. and most people are identifying as Republican or Democrat. That has drastically slipped. So only we have about what. Uh, 20%, 20% Republican, Democrat, then we have the rest are, you know, independent and some people who just don't want to even speak answer about it, question. answer the question. And that means half of Americans just don't want to identify as a party. Now, I'm not saying, and this, the interesting thing about this report is it's not saying that one person is, they're not extreme still, that somebody is not extremely right or extremely left. What it is saying is some, they don't, they don't affiliate with the party for multiple reasons. Usually they think the parties are corrupt, they think they have too much power. They think that things are rigged. They think that it's not going the way that they want them to, that there is too much, I guess, um, vagueness or ambiguity within their policies that can't- No policy. Yeah, so, so somebody can't just totally relate with the party anymore. Like, for example, like for me, I'm, I call myself a moderate Democrat, but I'm, I'm definitely a Republican on some issues, and I'm definitely a progressive Democrat in some issues. So when I call myself a Democrat, to be perfectly honest, I go, not all the damn time. Like, good for you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. I mean, thank you for good for me, Ross. I appreciate your, your, your approval. But I think a lot of people are saying the same way. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I love, I'm a Republican because of all these issues. But then when you talk about certain issues, they go, yeah, I'm not really feeling the Republican Party on this. And they're like, I'm independent. I, don't, I, I can't deal with this. Yeah, and again, and I said good for you because I think it's healthy. I mean, I think if, uh, getting back to like books, if you read a lot of Orwell, you know, we have two Orwellian kind of parties, uh, the D, the DCCC and the RNC, that you're supposed to parrot their party line on on every issue, on every issue. And it's the partisans are very partisan. Mm -hmm. This is how they operate right. in the House and the Senate. 
And so, and the two presidential candidates, they just happen to be polarized on every single issue. Well, people want their free will. People want their free will. They, I don't want to have to say this if I'm a Democrat. You know, I don't want to have to say that. I don't want to, have to think this. I don't want to, have to think that. So I don't know that the poll was really accurate. The 49% are now in, uh, identifying as independents. I hope it was. Um, I hope we see more of those polls. But I don't think uh, zealous Demo Democrats and zealous Republicans are healthy people. And I think they lead to kind of unhappy Thanksgivings in people's houses. You know what I mean? When family members of the two different parties start arguing what Fox told you about the voting machines is true. No, the big lie isn't true. You know, it, it's, it's an unhealthy country. And that tells me, like I said, good for you, that people are starting to say, eh, I want to think for myself. I don't want the DCCC to tell me where I'm at on this issue. I'm where I'm at on this issue naturally, you know? And so I think that's very healthy. I hope it gets up above 50%. No, I, I agree with you. Um, here's, my two, here's my two thoughts, actually. I started reading the book, uh, The Three-Body Problem by Leo Tsitsin uh, yesterday. And the first chapter is about the Cultural Revolution and um, a inquisition happening at Tsinghua University in Beijing. Actually, when I was in Beijing, I used to live right next door to Tsinghua University. I went to, the, I went to Beijing University, which was down the street, um, but I live right next door to Tsinghua. And um, the book starts out with the Cultural Revolution and the revolutionaries uh, asking, have you read the book? No. Asking the professor of Tsinghua University that, you know, was dealing with like kind of like uh, math and physics and stuff like that about these different quantum physics um, or different, I, I guess, ideas that maybe from Einstein or different like Planck and stuff like that. And so basically what they were doing is saying that everything that we learn is from a Western capitalistic society, even the way that they are um, phrased, which means it's not from the people. So it's like even calling it Planck's constant looks as there's a winner and a loser and the loser are the people because you came up with this somehow because it was the people you came to this conclusion of Planck's constant because of the people, the environment, the culture, all these different assets and resources that went into you to come up with this theory, but you put your name on it. That is very capitalistic, and we have to bring it back to the people. And so this was the whole conversation of that and, 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 and um, kind of like uh, interrogating this professor about these different things that he was teaching and how it's not communist, how it's not Maoist, how it's not Marxist. And basically at the end, they beat the crap out of him and he died oh, by Jesus. being beat. Um, his daughter was there. His, oh. wife, his wife turned on him. Um, but anyway, long story short is like, this was a huge group think of, you know, of policy and politics of how, and there was no, and what we saw there is there was no ability to challenge any kind of different thought. And I'm not saying that the, let's just keep this up agnostic, obviously. Um, there is obviously, in the scientific community, you're supposed to challenge thought of these different theories from these different physicists. But from the political side, it was, this is not Marxist, this is not Maoist. The status symbol of the Marxists and the Maoists at that time in China during the Cultural Revolution was the little red book uh, of, of basically higher philosophy of communism. And th there was no discussion about the different there was no scientific method to prove or disprove a certain thing. And so I, when, I, when I was listening to that, I was thinking about kind of like the political atmosphere we are right here with the party politics we're saying is what you can, what you can't do, the different sides that we, are, we have to take and how you have to toe the line to be accepted because what was happening with his wife 
um, was that she was, and they mentioned this, that she was very smart, and she saw this cultural shift within the country, and she started to tailor her speaking and her teaching, because she was also a professor at the university, uh, to try to make sure that she wasn't classified as a Western thinker. Mm. And so she was like, I already started to shift this way and make sure that I wasn't going to get you know, in trouble as well. So, you, you know, and then, so she made her case. It was super fascinating already in the first chapter. But the other thing I was thinking about with the independence is that I'm not too sure, even though I just said, even though at the be very beginning I said a lot of people are trying to identify with multiple things within, you know, cultural situations or our current times that are some partially, and our feelings about those are partially Republican and partially Democrat, partially in the middle, moderate, centrist, whatever, or extremes, uh, either very conservative or progressive, liberal, right? I'm worried that the 49% independence is actually indifference. Oh, could be true. And I'm wondering that if people say I'm independent, just means, because look, like I said the other day, and I'm going on my little <laughs> ramble as well. Is, I love it, I love it. Is that when I go out to do the petitions for uh, women's health care on a ballot for this fall, uh, when I go out there to Democrat meetings or political meetings or functions, I see the same people. Everywhere. Yep. There's I've, a, I've been down that road. Yep. There's a, only a handful of people out there doing Activists. the work. Activists. A activists. People that are doing the work. There are people who care and people who watch the news and read the paper, but there's only a couple of people that are out there. So I'm wondering if there's really not that people that actually give a shit. And so when you say, I'm in, when you say independent, they're just like, yeah, you know, honestly, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I really don't care. I'm independent. I'm not Republican or Democrat. Therefore, they're actually outside of the democratic process. Yeah, well, well, the truth is that um, both orthodoxies push identity politics. And in the end, in the end, you have to kind of have an air of legitimacy. And both parties, uh, getting back to like the first thing you said, many people think that the parties and the state are corrupt and criminal. Well, if you're pushing identity politics on everybody, who wants to identify with corrupt criminals? And so uh, there's that aspect of it. And the other aspect of it is, um, I think you're right. I think a certain percentage of the 49% would be indifferent rather than independent. But some actually are independent and their identity politics is hopefully, hey, I don't just identify with Democrats. I don't just identify with Republicans. I identify with everybody. You know, I identify with people outside this country. I identify with Canadians. I identify with what you were saying, students at a university in Beijing. And we have to figure out our problems. And the D, these two parties, they've had their chances. They've had their, they've had, they've each held all power and all, uh, you know, they've had majority power in the House, Senate, and White House. And things just keep getting worse. So I think it's, I don't know what the percentages of the 49%, but I do think you're right. I think it's, it's certain percentages, not necessarily independent, but more just, I'm just done with it. Yeah, well, the reason why I say it's indifference as well is because try to win, win a primary or try to win um, elections running as an independent. So if you really have 49% of independents right, out there right. and you come out as an independent, you're not going to get the independents to vote for you. You're not going to get 49% of the you're vote. You're not going to get 49% <laughs> of the vote. You know, so are you really independent? You know, it's, so it's like you have your... Now, of course, you don't have to go through a primary. So your Democrat person is going to win the primary the one who's most Democrat, and you have your most Republican in the primary, then everybody's going to try to move to the middle you know, during the general election. But at the end of the day, 
usually they only pick the two parties. They either the independents say, well, I'm independent, but you know, this person doesn't have a path to victory, and they're either trying to make some kind of weird, rational, log logical decision of who's going to win, and so they vote for that person or vote against that person. Um, but you're, you're not going to see your, an independent win in most cases, because even though you see that this is right. the statistic. So therefore, again, like back to you, what you said, I don't know if this is true because I don't see it actually happening in practice. I, I hope for the sake of those 49% of the people, like I said, good for you. I hope it's true. Uh, now, to what you're saying is party organization, grassroots, you know, um, your pyramid scheme, if you will, like when they run Senate campaigns, Herschel Walker versus um, Warnock, you know what I mean? That you really need um, those local kind of parties, you know, Ward 17 Dems, you know, Rocky River Dems, you know, that's where the organization is at and and the organization is what is going to make those two parties still for any the near future and maybe still the long-term future you're exactly right you cannot just say i'm the independent candidate i'm ralph nader uh you know and I, here i am to get the 49 percent that identifies as independent because i identify as independent that's not how it works in practice Wait, ralph nader was he wasn't independent was he he was a green party right well okay a third party yes you're that's right there are other parties right that that oh you, okay I was, I was making sure that I, I i'm just saying yeah you can't you can't be bernie is an independent right but he runs under the the d you know well i mean yeah you can caucus with other with other yeah. political parties i mean honestly if i ran it as an independent and i won i would i would i would caucus most of the time with the democrats I, I probably like probably bernie. probably probably yeah. um I, for some issues um i i would say but it's like Again, again, and, and so I just question the forty nine percent. That's all. I question the forty nine percent because yes, you need the republic, you need the the Rocky River Dems or the Rocky River Republicans come out and, and you know stump with you or knock doors with you or what mm -hmm. have you. Mm -hmm. However, it just shows me that if a independent can't win, it means that there isn't really an independent base, and it's all basically indifference or or fluff bullshit because they didn't make any decision of where they actually stand. Well, and getting back to your very first point, hey, I I am generally depend, uh, Democrat, but I don't agree with the Democrats on this issue, and I actually do agree with the Republicans on this issue. So um, it's not 49%, but but hopefully 49% are becoming more independent-minded. You know what I mean? That's I think that would well, be healthy. <clears throat> what's defined what independent-minded is, and I don't want to keep belaboring this conversation, but I, I just don't, I think that when we say independent, we actually don't know what that means because if you, like we said about caucusing with the Democrats or the Republicans, you don't vote independent. You vote either Democrat or Republican most of the time, even though you go to the door and say, I'm independent. And so you don't support the candidates across the aisle. I mean, you, it's very rarely that somebody jumps ship, to be well, honest but, with you. But I think this is the problem, right? So what I think... But do, okay, that's that's my one assumption to it, and this is an assumption. My other assumption is is if you does an independent actually have to jump ship and vote for multiple people on different sides of the party? I don't know if that's actually the case either. Just because you vote for Democrats and Republicans and you try to mix up your vote all the time for the best person, I, first of all, I don't think that people really vote that way, and second of all, I don't know that actually that actually makes you independent either. People don't vote that way, uh, generally, and the way we are here in 2023. You know, cinema is, is cinema is now going down this road, and uh, I think it actually could be, end up being very successful for her, but not because she says, I'm an independent, and I 
you independents who is like, fuck the Dems, fuck the R's. You, you guys should come my way because yeah, those two parties are breaking us. <laughs> the reality is she's going to have tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars behind her selling that message. You know, she, she's a fake, she's a fraud in my opinion, but she's going to hijack this message in a way Bernie maybe hasn't been able to, uh, that, that people locally cannot do, because you need money to and media to win elections. Oh, Bernie was able to do it. Bernie just got fucked by the Democratic Party. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, true. Bernie, he did it well, yeah. Twice. He did, he did it well, yeah. No, Bernie, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I, am a, I am a Bernie bro. Um, um, not all his policies, but but right. but it's like he he ran two amazing campaigns. Sure, and and he 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 got screwed. Yep. To be I'm with you. I, I voted for him in two primaries. Oh, you did? Yeah. Look at you. You voted for him or worked for him? I voted for him. <clears throat> oh, they say worked for him. Let's move on. Speaking of, of running for office, Bernie Marino is running for a U.S. Senate again. Um, we were talking about. I, I I don't know if we mentioned this last week. I think we did, but we mentioned that. His daughter, who is married to the person I was running against, uh, Max Miller, who is now married to uh, Emily Marino, who is now Emily Marino Miller, she was the executive for the Cuyahoga County Republican Party. She was appointed there in January of this year and three months later resigned. Everybody was wondering what's going on. Did was she too extreme? Was the, was the party too extreme? Was there all kinds of stuff? Me personally, I, I thought already that yeah. you know her dad was going to run, so she didn't want any conflict of interest, especially since her husband is now a congressman. Um, and which is, is the case. Bernie jumped into the race. Bernie lost last one bad. He actually dropped the other race after spending, I think, $3 million of his own money. I think he has three point two or something like that million dollars in debt to, to his campaign. Um, from last time, and the theory is, is that Trump gave him a call and said, "Hey, just get out of the race. We're gonna, I'm gonna support Vance. You can get it next time." And that's why I think he's actually here. The way that I think this is gonna play out is, I think that first of all, Miller and Trump are close. Miller um, worked for Trump for four years in the White House. He uh, was the first person that Trump endorsed. Um, he is now married to again Bernie Marino's daughter, uh, and Trump is running for president. I cannot see Trump not supporting Bernie Marino and going against his buddy, Max Miller, who is now a congressman, who he's going to want to have an ally in Washington, D.C., who's worked for him and he supported for Congress. I can't see that the Trump campaign is not going to put full weight behind Bernie Marino. Man, I, it's, when we put this topic on, I was like, this is your account. And I, I think that's why. I mean, I, um, you ran against his son-in-law, basically. Yeah. You ran against his son-in-law, and uh, that's amazing insight. And um, I, I, I don't know the first thing about all that Republican Party politics and the Trump brand and, and the Trump inner inner circle or whatever. But it makes a lot of sense to me. It makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Vance, Vance was like a Peter Thiel candidate. I think Trump is probably supported pretty significantly by Peter Thiel. So um, I, <clears throat> I can understand why he. If that conversation happened, I wouldn't be shocked by it. Like I said, two years ago, right. um, makes a lot of sense to I me. Mean, I, I think, sold me. I, I, I think I think it just makes sense. It's like, hey, Bernie, drop out. We'll get it in two years. You run against Sherrod Brown. We need to get Sherrod Brown out of there. Um, Max would be in an office. 
um, and uh, then you, Max marrying the daughter. It just seems like a whole family thing. So, so Max will be able to go out there to stump for him. Bernie's going to be out there. Trump's going to be in, in the States. You know, I, I just in a presidential year. A pres and, and, yeah, if yeah. Trump does not support Bernie Marino for this, there is going to be issues between him and Max, I think. Because there's no way the daughter is going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Trump's not supporting my dad. Yeah. To her husband. And now we have an issue. <laughs> um, now you have a home issue. So, so wait, <laughs> let me ask this then. We're, I know we've talked about this on other podcasts. So it's, uh, is LaRose, we assume LaRose is going to run in the Republican I side. I assume LaRose. Who else do we know about? Uh, Matt Dolan. LaRose. Dolan, yes, yes, yes. Dolan's not going to do anything. Dolan's not going to win. Because he won't get Trump's endorsement. Trump's going to be on the ballot. Well, because he's a fraud. Well, I think all these guys. I was on one debate stage with Bernie Moreno, actually, in um, like West 44th. Uh, it wasn't me debating versus him. It was he was running, mayoral candidates running. The Gibbons guy was on the debate stage. Right. So they would ask all like seven of us the same question and let us respond. And, you know, the only thing I can remember, so, I, so in other words, I didn't follow the, the early part of his campaign, but the only thing I remember from him and Gibbons was like their whole shtick was government can't save you, government can't save you, government's bad. That was it, that we need smaller government. And so I don't even remember. There was nothing memorable from, you know, I think one of the reasons you reach out to me originally when we became friends was, well, here I am advocating for like policies X, Y, and Z. It's pretty clear what I'm advocating for. I don't remember one thing that he was actually advocating for. Yeah, I think, I think Dolan, he, he doesn't know who he is as a candidate or a brand. And he ran as a certain brand for the last Senate campaign as the anti-Trump moderate or the right. adult in the room. But everybody was bickering. He was kind of like the grown-up. And um, now he went and he's trying to change his brand to be the extreme right conservative or whatever. And it's just, it doesn't work, Dolan. Dolan has always been kind of like the, the adult in the room when it comes to policy. He was always Republican. He was always, you know... A conservative. He's a sitting, but he, sitting state rep. Yeah, he's a sitting, sitting state senator. And but when he would make policy, or when he would, uh, you know, vote, and he would, he, you could tell that he was the guy of common sense. He was the guy of, you know, um, of moderacy. He was the guy of let's figure things out and work. But now he's just kind of branding himself differently, and that's why I think he's a fraud. And it's like we can see through that, Dolan. You could should have just been the same person and and either made your own brand. But now he's trying to create. He's trying to jump on the on the Trump train or the, or the MAGA train when that's not who he has always been. And so that's why I think Bernie Marino is going to just, Bernie Marino and Frank LaRose yeah. are going to just mop the floor with him. Um, and then it's just about Bernie and LaRose. And I think that LaRose has the bigger name here. Um, and Statewide, yeah. Yeah, statewide. LaRose has a way bigger name. But I think if Trump puts her, his weight behind Marino, it's over. Just like with Vance. Nobody knew Vance wasn't, he didn't even live in Ohio. Right. You know, and so um, we'll see the vote chopping up, like you kind of talked about at the presidential level, how they'll chop it up. Because I think that there being so many Republican candidates really helped JD Vance and really kind of, uh, so being so little Democratic candidates really helped Tim Ryan. Uh, so we'll see. But I agree with you. I think a Trump endorsement in a year where Trump is in the ballot, we actually talked about this last week or two weeks ago with. Uh, Jeremy Majewski, will Trump support him? But, you know, if he does, the Trump endorsement in Trump, Ohio, right? He came to East Palestine in a Trump state go, will go a super long way, no matter whether LaRose and Bernie Moreno differ on the Ukraine war, differ on tech censorship, differ on the issues. It's really just going to come down to the to the Trump endorsement, I think, based on what we saw two years ago. I, 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 I agree with that. Um, anyway, I, I'm, 
I would put money on this. I know you're a betting man. If you want to bet that uh, Bernie Marino wins the primary, um, I would bet. I would bet that with you. If you want to take somebody else. No, I, I, you sold me. The first thing you said sold me. So oh, okay, I, okay. You know, I, I do, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if Trump, because there has been like Senate races, I think maybe one was in Kansas or something, where Trump, you know, choose to stay out of it. But like you said, this is Max Miller's father-in-law. Right. This is Max Miller's father-in-law. Right. So, I mean, I, I'm with you. I would bet with you. There's, there's no way. Bernie Reno is not going to, and if it does, if he loses and it's a fair race and like say Trump stays out, which I don't think he will because that would put strain in the home. You know, Max would be calling Trump going like, hey, Trump, you know, I, I love you, you know. I've but, supported you. And, yeah. and, and, and I mean, and, and, honest, and Max doesn't have clout when it comes to asking Trump to do things, but it's like, <laughs> bro. They're a team. You need Vance and him are a team. And they're, they're, gonna, they're just yeah. going to go into Washington and rise mm-hmm. as a team. So yeah, you'll have team. Vance as a team and then Marino mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. Max and then you're creating, you're consolidating your, your, your team within Washington. I can't see this going any other way. I, um, then it just goes down to the Ohio voters who, um, Ryan, Tim Ryan lost bad. I mean, okay, Tim Ryan lost. And I'm not going to, I'm going to say it lost bad because of the, not because of the, the, the percentage of the vote, which was 55, 45, because we did not think that Tim Ryan was running a bad campaign. As, as, I did. Really? Yeah. Okay. We, we should, we should go into that a little bit. I didn't think Tim Ryan was running a bad, bad campaign. And I also didn't think that um, if he lost, he was going to lose by that margins, which is because I thought J.D. Vance was running a bad campaign. <laughs> you know, um, And so even if Sherrod Brown runs a good campaign, and it is Sherrod oh, he Brown. He always does. I, I, I am wondering what does the red Ohio look like? When it comes to a a very blue Sherrod Brown. I think, um, you know, one of the debates they asked Tim Ryan, and me and you talk about this all the time, and the in-power group don't want to talk about it, but they asked him in one of the debates, are you for or against term limits? And J.D. Vance said, I'm for term limits. And Tim Ryan said, I think term limits is on the ballot. A non-answer, factual reality. A non-answer, factual reality. Tim Ryan lost the area where he was a rep that, you know, I think people want change. And so when, just like Justin Bibb in Cleveland, when you bring a new name in like JD Vance, even he runs a shit campaign, you know, does certain things that, Repu- that argues for certain things that Re- Republicans argue for. He was even saying we should take away your porn. I mean, he's saying all kinds of crazy shit, but he had the Trump endorsement and he was a fresh face. Tim right. Ryan been serving for 20 for years. 20 years. Right. He had his chance. I, I, I do agree with that. Um, again, we can go back to Marcy Kaptur, though. She was serving for 40-something years, and she beat J.R. Majewski. Again, I think that goes deeper with, with J.R. But anyway, it's going to be an interesting race. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm in Sherrod's uh, camp 100%. Uh, again, he is probably one of the nicest people, and the person who helped on his level so help support my campaign as much as possible. Like I said, I talked to him before I started running. He do, he his pack donated to the campaign. I've met him many times at uh, on the um, on the stump around Ohio, and he has been the nicest, welcoming person. He's given advice. Um, I have nothing po- nothing but positivity to say about about Sherrod Brown. What I would say is I've also met Sherrod Brown. Also seems very nice. Wife seems very nice. Um, I think they are the status quo. I think they are the status quo. I don't think they'd risk their real life. These people like Joe Biden, they never step out of line. They never fight for change. Um, and they have the support of the party, which many people are sick of. 
you know, so I like him on a personal level. I like Marcy Captor. I, I, I didn't meet Marcy Captor as much as you, but like I like them and their policies, right? I'm a lifelong Dem. I'm a lifelong Dem. But why don't you have the fight that kind of we need in these times? So you take Marino over Brown? No, no, no. I, I, first of all, I would vote. I'll vote uh, against probably Sherrod. I'll do what I do. I'll vote against Sherrod Brown in the primary. It could be the biggest no-name candidate you've ever seen, uh, and I'll vote against him. And then if it's him versus Moreno, and Moreno's like, hey, they're bringing 50,000 people in caravans to the Mexican border, you know, that traditional Republican kind of stump speech and argument, then I'll vote for Sherrod Brown again, and I'll be disappointed in the direction of the country again. You know, because I do like Sherrod's message and I do like him and his wife, you know, but I also think you need to agitate. We need agitation in these times, not same old, same old. Ohio State Senate just passed a 60% petition initiative. And this is, this means that uh, the Ohio State Senate, this means that the voter, if they want to put something on the ballot to change the constitution, you're going to need a 60% vote on the ballot. Wait, it's 60% to, to put it on the ballot. And so you need 60% just to no. put it on. Wait, hold on, what the hell? Okay, so there's, there's two it, elections now. <laughs> there's an August election where the people would have to vote to make this change, right. okay? And if the change is made, then there will be some changes in how you get an initiative on the ballot, an issue campaign on the ballot. Right. But when it is on the ballot, it will need 60% to, to become a constitutional change, okay. which is fucking ridiculous. Okay. And so <laughs> other things that are part of this, sorry, I, I, I got fused there for a minute. Um, other things that are part of this initiative and this change is right now, if you want to put something on the ballot, you need signatures for, from 44 co counties. Uh, this change will put it to 88 yeah, counties. All, every county. Every county. Uh, every county is going to have to have 5% of who voted for governor. Um, this is almost an um, impossible task right. for some of these counties, these rural counties. I mean, we're talking about you're driving five minutes from door to door. It's almost impossible. Um, <clears throat> and um, what else is on? What else? What else are the changes for getting things on the ballot? I think, I, from what I know, I think you hit it. I mean, I'm sure it's more detailed than that, but th those are the big things. Yeah, those I think, the I think things. those are the big, big things. So basically, what it's saying is. It's going to make it harder for the people to put things on the ballot to try to change initiatives and try to uh, put things into law or in the Constitution. And then when it gets on the ballot from the people, now this is, this is important, only from the people, you're going to need 60% of the vote to put it into law. That is not the case if the initiative comes from the, the House or the Senate. You'll still need only 50% plus one. So that's pretty interesting that they are... The interesting thing is, and the people that don't know... Ohio state legislature is there is a supermajority that basically dictates what is going to be law and what's not going to be law. The, the rooster covers the Ohio uh, legislature as good as anybody. Um, it's a complete joke. It's a complete um, corporate puppet game. And uh, yeah, this is about people already don't really have much of a say in the direction of policy in this state and in the country at large. And the, the, What's this targeted at, right? Let's, let's just put it on the table. It's targeted at abortion, and it's targeted probably, potentially in the future, at minimum wage. So 
uh, this is the corporations and with they'll and they'll throw millions of dollars in the fact that with to try and get the 51% to vote this way in August they'll say oh out of state corporate interests are trying to amend our constitution to hurt you to make Ohio less livable but 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 it's going to be a big money campaign on the side of let's get 51% of people to vote against their own interests right you know so um, this is this is about and they're going to say, well, the abortion folk are going to put this on the ballot and pass abortion if we don't do this. So it's right. going to be some fear-mongering. And why is the 60% there? Um, is because a lot of the other states have passed abortion amendments to their constitution to ensure the right to abortion within their state. Those amendments passed, you know, 54%, 57%. So the 60% threshold is a kind of a safe bet to say, hey, if this gets passed, then... It probably abortion amendment will probably not get passed, and so that, that's interesting that you said that the minimum wage is going to be on the ballot too, because this is what I think is happening: is they're trying to stack up policies or stack up narratives against uh, to get the Republican base out to vote in August as well. Right now, I think it's going to be a lopsided thing, so they're trying to obfuscate the whole sixty percent um, bill, the sixty percent threshold. And the meaning of this, with the the Democrats are coming out with say this is about abortion, and now the Republicans are saying like no this is about minimum wage and China and outside influence and land and oh, they're gonna, there's going to be there's going to be a stack to try to get people out to vote for this uh, amendment. I think it's going to flop. I hope you're right. I think I actually think you're right. Um, it'll be interesting to see, right? Because we're in a new media environment where nobody trusts the the things they see on TV, um, Facebook even maybe the mailers they get on, on election day. I do think those mailers are still play quite a significant role in, uh, in the way people vote for candidates and on issues and stuff. I think they're pretty important. I mean, this gets back to HB1 with First Energy. Our state is really run by corporations. I mean, our country is too, but, but we have corporate rule here. You know, if you're a, if you're a fucking representative from uh, Athens County or, you know, name a Southern County, and, you know, and you're trying to serve your people, you're trying to help help your voters, help your people, help the people that even didn't vote for you in your county, you would be voting for freedom, right? Women's choice, women's health care. You would be voting to raise the minimum wage. But who's your real boss? The people that helped you get elected. And we have corporate rule here. We have super majority Republican rule here, like you said. Um, we're a really backward state. We've been a backward state for a while. It's only getting worse. I mean, this is about taking the little power away that the majority kind of has right now. The little power that we still have, this is about squashing that. You mean the people? I want to say the majority of the people. Well, yeah, it should be 50, 51%, not 41%. Right now, what they're trying to do is make 40.1% of the people control on issues instead of 50.1%. Oh, yeah, okay. I know what you're saying. Okay, yeah. I understand what you're saying with that. Um, want to make a bet? Um, I, I bet that this goes down, this bill goes down 65-35. Give, give me plus or minus two points. Well, I'll say it goes down, but I, but I think it will go down closer to 53-55. So I hope you're right, but I just know... So do we have a bet? 20 bucks? On, on the margin of how bad it goes down? Because I don't think it's going to go down. I just think it'll be closer than you. Well, yeah, I think it's going to, but you just said you think it's going to be, it's going to lose. 
Yeah, it's going to lose. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, on the margin. I'm gonna, yeah, I think yeah. it's going to be a fucking landslide. You think it'll be 65, 63 to 65%? I think it'll be 53 to 55%. I don't think it'll be a landslide. 20 bucks? Yeah, 20 bucks. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. <laughs> Done. That's our first political bet. I like it. All right. Uh, because, because again, if you follow like protests and stuff uh, for decades, for decades, they always come at you with this outside agitator bullshit. And that's what they're using on this, like outside sure. corporations. Sure. I just don't, I, I really just don't think that the majority of, Ohioans can see through this bullshit. I, I really can't see anybody thinking that this is a good idea. Well, this is such in my core that I think that anybody that looks at this goes, no fucking way. I, I think you're right, but they're going to um, fire up zealots, right? So in other words, not people don't really go out to vote in August usually. No, they don't, yeah. obviously. So they're going to fire up the anti-choice you know, uh, anti -choice zealots, right. and they, they, so they won't need as much of a... So that's why I think the margin will be lower. I still think it'll lose. I just think it'll be harder uh, than you. You think it'll be a landslide. I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a landslide. Fair enough. We got a bet. We have a bet. We have a bet. Now let's see if we actually remember we made that bet. <laughs> yeah, we'll write it down. We'll write it down. <laughs> Can you write that down really quick before we forget? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, last thing I really want to cover really quick is... Um, uh, the Jalen Walker Grand Jury Resort. Uh, Can you explain what happened with that? Well, uh, you know, the Grand Jury chose to indict. You mean the situation with the shooting or, or this recent grand, the Grand Jury coming to the decision? We don't yeah, think there should be course. charged. Yeah, yeah I, I guess he was um, driving uh, without a tail with a taillight broken. This is Jalen Walker. Jalen Walker, a 25-year-old black guy from Akron. Um, Got shot 46 times. Got sh he was fleeing his vehicle. They said he had a ski mask on. Got sh they shot like 90 sometimes. Got hit in the back 46 times. The, 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 the story, you know, and I'm not here to tell you the facts of a case, right? The grand, the grand jury's saying, well, you know, here's the, the margin. Or here's the, the criminal standard. But the stories are saying that he did fire uh, from his moving car one time. And they heard a bullet shot. Later, they say they found a shell casing. He had a, a gun, uh, that he, which he had purchased on the driver's seat after he had exited his car. Uh, and then, so, whatever. They, 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 I thought they couldn't find the firearm. No, they no. They had the firearm? Okay. Yeah, he had a firearm in his car that is the story. Oh, no, he didn't have a firearm on him right. when he got shot him. Exactly, exactly. But I heard that he did turn and, like, point his arm at the whatchamacallit, the cops. And they said, it seems as though they, he was, it looked as though he was taking a, Firing position. And, and what I'm going to say is Jalen Walker is not here to speak for himself. Right. And so we have to, we're, unfortunately, we only get the cop side of the story when our victims pass, unless you have a George Floyd video situation. I think some, they have some video, but they also don't have all the video. So um, complicated right. issues. Right. So to fill in some history of that story, um, Jalen Walker's girlfriend died, I think, the week before um, in a car accident. They were engaged. They were together. I think they were high school sweethearts, um, planning to get married. And apparently he was taking this very, very bad. Uh, I mean, your girlfriend died. Your, your soulmate, whatever, right? And uh, everybody said he was off. He would go around and drive around all, his t all the time by himself. Uh, he, he was found Googling things like, what happens if I drink bleach? Oh, Jesus. I didn't um, know that. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was researching how to off himself. Yeah. One of his friends took him to a, a gun range. That's how he got involved with guns. He never shot a gun before then. And he said, like, this is a good way to, you know, clear your head or, or relieve stress or whatever. If you're mad, just fucking shoot some guns. And apparently he went back to that gun range and bought the firearm that he had. 
Don't quote me on that one, but he, I think he... Not, do, not, do not quote either of us on anything. I think that he went back and yeah. bought a gun from them, from, from them uh, which is the gun that was found in his car, or he, he allegedly shot. Um, so the narrative that everybody's saying is that this was a cop... Cop by suicide? Uh, yes, yes, a suicide by cop. Sort suicide of, by cop, yeah, yeah. Sort of, sort of thing. And he's in, they like, he, this guy wanted to die. He just well. didn't want, know how to do it. He was in a bad place. He probably needed some some help because of his girlfriend's death and stuff like that, but he wasn't given that help or he didn't know how to get that help or nobody realized that he needed as much help and this was his way out. This is what they're, this is what they're, they're saying. Reports are reporting, yeah. Um, it's sad. I mean, the, I mean, it's sad as an understatement. I will say I definitely, um, I definitely did do research at one point in time into suicide by cop. It actually is a real thing, which is uh, really, Again, we talk about stuff every week that it's like, is this happening in other countries? Is it, you know what I mean? Like, and so, um, again, it's tough to know what's true. We only have one side of the story. That bleach Googling thing is, blows my mind. Um, so I think that there's, I think that regardless of the narrative um, of if it's suicide by cop, 46 shots egregious. Egregious. Now, I'm not saying that they didn't, that if he shot a bullet and they knew that he was armed or thought that he was armed and that was part of it. Again, we weren't inside and we don't know all the details about the grand jury and the evidence and the discovery. I understand the, the cops being very cautious with somebody in a mask that could look like they're pulling a firearm out at nighttime that already shot a weapon at the cops. Now, I understand that you don't need to fire 46 times. And that's where I think that we have a training issue still with, with, with police that, hey, you shoot once, you disarm them, maybe shoot twice even, but like you, there, you don't need to unload 100 rounds, right? We saw this with the Rambo guy in Cleveland that jumped on the hood of the car right. and the whole force is firing hundreds of rounds into this car that did not shoot, there was no gun, it right. backfired, so which sounds like a gunshot, but nonetheless, it, it, what you just said about the train, we have a training issue. We have a humanitarian and lack of compassion issue. You know, we have a protect yourself mentality as opposed to protecting and serving even our people who uh, you think committed a crime and you're trying to do law enforcement, right. you know? Like I said, 46 times is, is just egregious. And again, I... I... I I stumbled, I stumbled on this article or this uh, column by the, the Onion the other day, and I just thought it was so perfect in this case because, again, like what you said, Janet Walker is not here to say yeah. anything, and there's not really much camera or whatever. Right. And, and it's entitled, Police Did a Great Job, the Police Say. But they the said, every, and, and his friend says, instead of having a city like Cleveland or Los Angeles, it says everywhere. In response to an unfolding situation on Monday, the police did a great job, the police said. The actions of law enforcement could not have been better, local enforcement reported in a statement. The veracity, of this, the veracity of which the Onion confirmed with local law enforcement. Every measure undertaken by our law enforcement completely went by the book, our officers told us. And we've seen and learned ourselves since the day. And, we, and we've since learned from ourselves that we once again saved the day. We can confirm that you are all safe. Just ask anyone in the police department. You're welcome. Yeah, and, and so <laughs> we've seen this time and time again that when you talk about egregious, like you said, with like the Memphis video, um, oh, unfortunately, I can't remember this, that, that young man's name. Uh, you know, it took, it took three weeks or four weeks to release the video. There we did get the video at least, and it was 
horrific. It was um, the thing that happened in Memphis like three months ago. They, they basically beat the kid to death. Like five or six officers punched and kicked the kid to death, and he died. And it was, you know, I think it was the same thing. I think it was like an illegal left turn or a taillight or, or uh, something of this nature originally. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen it, it with Tamir Rice in Cleveland. Was that Tyree Nichols? Yes, okay. Ty Nichols. And uh, Ty uh, T Tamir Rice, shoot first, ask questions later, uh, you know, say you feared yourself. Police unions have influence in the media, getting to your onion, getting to what you just read. The police unions have influence in the media. Jalen Walker's family has no influence in the media. You know what I mean? And so it's tough. People don't trust our institutions. Uh, they don't have checks and balances. We have no accountability. And people are don't know where to turn right now so okay last thing i want to just yeah. last thing i want to mention is this brown stadium land bridge plan uh what's this i don't know anything about this well i mean uh again we're, we're only learning what we're learning but there's a story that you know um they're gonna announce plans this week to do for what the renovation and what the growth around the lakefront is going to be for for renovated new brown stadium they're saying it's not going to be a dome uh, they're saying, uh, they're okay. saying, you fucking they're saying, I don't want it to be anything, but a lot of people, of I don't course, want it to be like, anything, but if you build, do anything, build a do dome, a dome. Yeah, yeah. this is Cleveland, Ohio, can we please? Right, if you want to get the final four, the men's final four. Um, and what they're saying is Mayor Bibb is not going to use general fund dollars. I think that's an Orwellian term. I think my tax dollars are my tax dollars. They're going to create a new kind of nonprofit authority to do this project and basically hand over money to the Haslam's uh, for this project. It's so I thought, I thought um, Bib was uncommitted with anything. He hasn't said it either way. They have not said what the terms of this situation are gonna be. That's right. Uh, and he's saying, I'm not willing to use general fund dollars. But all that, that's kind of just classifications. That's arbitrary classification, whether you're doing construction fund, general fund, special fund, or Port Authority money, it's still my tax dollars, still me and my neighbor's tax dollars. So um, the general fund thing is really just a, a nomenclature thing, just verbiage. So he, but he's come out and said that, I'm unwilling to uh, use general fund dollars for stadium renovation. Okay, so what's this land bridge thing? Well, that's, it's not, so what these sports owners are doing now is they're using the leverage that they have and saying, we're gonna, we're gonna move this team if, if we don't get, if we don't get. And it's more than just the arena. It's the real estate around the arena. They want their own kind of special business district, entertainment district. So like with the Haslam's, if you go to a Browns game, I'm, I'm assuming you've gone, mm -hmm. you know, if you go before the game, you go to like West Six, right? You have a few beers, you get a hot dog, whatever. You spend money, right? Well, that's what the richest people in this country want. They want your money. So they want arguably to, my theory, to control the pregame and the postgame tailgates as well. Mm -hmm. And this wouldn't be the first one of these deals. They've been popping around the country, Arizona, California, whatever. Uh, Kansas City currently wants one. The Oakland owner wanted one. Instead, they're going to Las Vegas. Um, this, is, this has been a sad, controversial thing. So the owners continue to leverage their power in terms of, you know, 
the public will be livid with you, public official, if the team leaves. Now, that's still an argument. I don't know how true that is, but I th it's certainly true with a sector of, of folk, and we've talked about this before, the difference between city residents and voters and taxpayers and county and tri-county kind of people. But Clevelanders are not gonna want a huge amount of their money going toward the Haslam's business dealings. First of all, um, the, the stadium's only 20 years old, 25 years old, right? <laughs> right, right. I mean, do, do we not make them like they used to? I mean, this was a, 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 what was a $350 million project. They, they'll like, argue it's rushed. They'll argue it was done in a rushed fashion to get the new Browns playing sure, football. Sure, like it's 25 years old. It's, it's fine. I live in a, almost a, a century home. I go, to like, th I go to three, four games here. It's fine. It works. Like, come on, just slap some paint on some shit. I mean, the, the place is a crap hole. They, they shouldn't have built that stadium how it was anyway. But um, it, it, it was, it, it's only 25 years old. It's absolutely insane. Look at, Rig get... look at Wrigley Field. Look at some of these places. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, second, if you don't build a stadium with a dome in Cleveland, Ohio, it's like, how stupid are we? We continuously are stupider and stupider. It's Cleveland, Ohio. It's Cleveland, Ohio. Like, you can't use this thing in the winter, and if you do, it's for a Browns game, and it's absolutely hor it's horrible. It's a horrible situation, so you can't use it in the winter, except for two sports teams that want to play each other, and, you know, fans that want to go out there and wind chill coming off the lake. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean... Close the thing up. I, I think <laughs> that... Close the thing up. I, I'm not disagreeing with you from a... From a, a it's cloudy, it's rainy, it's cold. From a fan and a weather perspective, but again, as a taxpayer and a voter perspective... Um, I don't want care about the, the, the chance to get the Super Bowl, the chance to get the Final Four, the chance to get WrestleMania. I really don't care about that. I care about public education. I care about public transportation. Sure, but here, here's the thing. If they spent, if, if they, first of all, they shouldn't have spent $350 million on that stadium 25 years ago without putting a dome on it. Double, double it up and put a fucking dome on it, right? First of all. And if you're going to do it again, you're just being stupid. That's twice. That's twice we had, we had, we had Muni, the Muni lot, we had this, and now again, and every time for the past, I'm 43 years old, Cleveland has been saying, man, I wish we had a dome stadium. Like, just get it done. Okay, that's first of all. Second of all, I don't want it to be built because it's absolutely ridiculous. Right. Third of all, we are, Cleveland is the, how do I want to say this with, without sounding too bad? Oh, yeah. Cleveland is absolutely fucking stupid the way that we treat our lakefront property. Yeah. We have the most beautiful lakefront, and we have nothing on it. Besides a stadium, and an airport, an airport, a rock hall. We have a rock hall that's not really touching the lake. Right, right. We have Nuevo. Yeah. We have um, what, what do we have? We have well, the port a, that you can't use. You have the flats kind of that and, doesn't and go to the lake. Um, and then what? You, you, you do have beach. lake. You have you do have what call it? Um, um. Oh, uh, Lakewood. Edge, Edgewater. Edgewater Beach. Yeah. But Edgewater, Edgewater again is a is a piece of crap. Why? Because no, no, no. It's gotten nicer. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. I did, no, no, no. It's, it, Edgewater's got very okay. Nice. Being clean yeah. and nice and being horrible designed is two different things. Sure. First of all, it's forty percent parking lot on each side of it. It's bookended with huge parking lots. So you go drive into a parking lot that's on the lake to get off to go to a park that's on the lake to go through trails that's off the lake well, to go through a beach that's on the lake. And so there's no shops, there's no walkway, there's no yeah, boardwalk, yeah. there's no development, there's no housing. It's like you just have construction, industry, and crap on some of the most valuable property yeah. in the Midwest. And it just, it, it, it pisses me off to yes. no end to see how 
underutilized yeah. that property is. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I did this whole thing in my campaign. I completely agree. Super pissed off at the direction of the city. As our, as our voter taxpayers who vote with their feet in Cleveland, unlike arguably any other municipality in, on the planet Earth, we continue uh, as an urban city to lose population significantly. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, Bibbs addressed that. They address it, but Frank Jackson addressed it verbally. It's the difference between knowing there's a problem and solving the problem. And, and what I would say about Edgewater is it, it at least gets your first step, uh, your first step of improvement going. You know, it used to be kind of like, un, it used to be very uninhabitable and undesirable and unclean. And at least now you go to Edgewater next week when it's good weather, it'll be popping. It'll be body to body. It'll be, you know, so it's improved. We could do that with the east side as well. Uh, they shouldn't be giving the Haslam's all this real estate and money. They shouldn't be kicking the, the uh, trailer trailer homes in Euclid Beach out. You know, we have a ton of issues in Cleveland. And again, that's why people continue to leave and they will continue to leave. And they will continue to leave. I yeah. mean, so this is my frustration. It's like, don't tell me you're going to change and do things if we have a shrinking population. Cuyahoga County's population shrank 25.2% from 1972 to 2021. And it did have a little uptick there um, in um, during COVID, actually. And I, I honestly think it's just people moving from different cities over to somewhere that's cheaper and saying I can work remotely. Makes and saying, sense. I'm selling my house in California or I'm selling my house in New York or Portland or whatever and coming over here and getting a fucking it's mansion. It's very affordable. It's very affordable to live here. Um, but like the United States population grew 58.6% and Ohio's population grew 10% during the same period and Cuyahoga County shrunk 25%. So don't tell me you're doing things good no. uh, in, in Cuyahoga County. And don't say that this, these things are a great, there's great utilization. We have, we across the county, not in the suburbs for most part, but at least across the city, where people actually want to live that's walkable, where you could have good food and good social life and whatever. There's a there's a lakefront that's not developed and utilized. There's no stores. There's no bars. There's no nothing on that damn right. lake besides two parking lots and an Edgewater Park and a stadium and a rock hall that you can't even access the the, the freaking lake to, um, and an airport. Airport. Uh, yeah. You have uh, the whole city is basically basic vacant fucking lots. And it, 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 for every fucking house you have in, in, in some of these wards is two lots and then another house. Mm -hmm. um, you have boarded up businesses that are just history, history lessons of what we could have been or what we were in the past of either some kind of manufacturing or come some kind of small mom and pop shop all spread across this damn city. It's a, it has been failed by every person that's elected in an administration that touched the city in the past 50 years. And if anybody says that it hasn't been or there's some change going on, I need to see it in the population. I need to see it in the revenue. I need to see it in the GDP. I need to see it with, I want to go buy a place downtown because I will fucking not buy a place downtown. I won't even buy a house in Cleveland because I don't even trust the good parts. I don't trust Ohio City's prices. I don't trust Gordon Square's prices. Even though they're up right now around $400,000 for a house, I won't buy there because I don't trust the city's not going to fall to shit. Yeah, I mean, the other thing about it is... is How do I really feel? Hey, I love it. You should, should run for city council or mayor, you know, like I did. Because everything you said is, is like why I ran just those just flat-out facts. And people feel the same as you. Um, you know, schools and crime as well. I mean, that's you can't just build a fancy new place and think and tax abate it for 15 years and think that people are going to want to stay here and build here and grow here. You know, they don't take a macro view. They, they do top-down economics and they build shiny stuff that's tax abated. And it's just like, well, what does that mean? We don't have any people that, we don't want to have any good companies here. 
you know, we don't have any good programs here. We don't have good social programs here. We have poverty here. We defund public education. I mean, right. you know, and again, they're, but they're going to give the Haslam's the money and the real estate, and that's just going to be the end of it, and the people will have no say, so more people will move. That's, that's just my take. I'm, I can't let that ruin my day. It is a reality. I did run to kind of try and bring a new perspective in there, but uh, unfortunately, it is what it is. All right. Well, I was going to actually, hold up. I, want, I, I wanted to see here, um, I think that, East Cleveland has the, one of the lowest incomes of every any city in the United States, um, but I can't find any good. I can't find any good facts right now. But anyway, Ross, it was great talking to you. I got to get halfway across this county, and I'll I will see you later, bro. Yep. Thanks, man.